What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Doing all right, Graham. How are you? That's, a, that's all I got. That's me. all you got? What's that's wrong with you? Uh, you depressed? Falcons got me down, man. Yeah. Falcons got me down. Not even these uh, new Brave signs are bringing any life to your eyes? That that perked me up a little bit. Okay. That's um, That definitely has given me a little life what, again. What about the big United win on Sunday? That, that that was cool. That was cool. Yeah, I feel like at this point I can't get too excited about it because I've you feel like you betrayed I, them. I've said too much already about my true feelings. Mm. So now I'm a bandwagoner if I start getting all hyped. Not necessarily. No. I mean I don't know. I've watched I, them since game one. Yeah, I don't think you're a bandwagoner. I mean, you've been paying attention to what they're doing. Yeah. You've watched a lot of games. It's not like you just woke up and noticed them for the first time True. today. Thanks, Graham. Yeah. I saw some um, somebody doing a photo comparison of the Falcons game versus the United game. Oh, in terms of crowd attendance? Yeah, it was just a joke. I'm sure it's awful. Yeah, and it was like the Falcons game like in the third quarter versus the United game 20 minutes before the game. It's just embarrassing. It's pathetic. For the Falcons. For the Falcons, yeah. It's good for United. Yeah. Bad for Atlanta. Half bad for Atlanta. Or good for Atlanta. Yeah. Depends on how you look at it. Exactly. Um, today we welcome super user, premium user, Alexa Reese to the program. Welcome. Hello. Um, one of the reasons we brought on Alexa is when she's a, a, a fan of the show and of Atlanta sports, but she's also a Ravens fan, and we're going to be getting a native Baltimorean. Is that how you say it? Yes. Wow, got that. Uh, native Baltimorean who will share her insight on what to expect from the Ravens on Sunday. Sure, so. that's right. It's not Baltimorean. Yeah. Baltimorean. 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 Okay. Close enough. Um, and so, yes, so we have three people again. I don't think we've done a show by ourselves in a long time. It's, been, it's been a minute. Yeah. It feels like we had more shows with other people than we've had by ourselves. And I think we've recorded in a different room and or studio for the last four months. Yes. Consecutively. Great insight that everyone wants to know about. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're just we're just working on our um, flexibility. Sure. Let's be able to adapt. Yeah. Let's hop right into the big news of the day, which is the Braves have made two pretty big free agent signings. One maybe bigger than the other. Obviously bigger than the other. Uh, first one was Brian McCann, who returns to the Braves on a one-year, two million dollar deal. Um, so that was cool for nostalgic purposes. Um, and we need a second catcher, as we mentioned, I think, last week that Kurt Suzuki was signed by the Nationals, so um, we obviously need a second catcher. A lot of people thought we might be in the Real Muto sweepstakes. Doesn't seem like that's going to pan out. Thank God. Um, instead, we have signed McCann, who only played in 60 games last year for Houston. Um, I'm going to put the nostalgic, I'm going to take the nostalgic uh, you know, rose petal sunglasses off for a second and look at this, try to look at this realistically. Only 60 games, had a pretty pedestrian uh, slash land. I'm not even going to get into that. But um, had a strong start to April, but then he was just hampered by injuries the whole year. Uh, a lot of issues with his MCL. Wasn't able to play a lot of games. As, as I said, only 60 games. A lot of those were DH games, too. Um, Houston was in the, obviously in the American League. So and then he had a pretty strong September, but he started to feel a little healthy, healthier. And then uh, finally got the surgery. And he says he feels like he's at full strength at this point. So maybe this could be a nice under-the-radar signing uh, that fulfills two things. One, it gets fans excited to bring a native son home. Two, 
Could give us a big boost. Maybe. And overperform. Uh, I I mean, I feel like right now is I, I I do love the signing with Zook being gone, but over the last four years, Kurt Suzuki's been the better player than Brian McCann. Yeah. Four point six war for Zook versus two point two war for McCann. Uh, so as of now, the nostalgia is nice, but I think we're going into twenty nineteen. Nineteen, yeah. Well done. Weaker at the catching position than we ended it. From a statistical standpoint, I agree. Um, and I think Suzuki is uh, is almost the same age as McCann. I think he might be a year younger, but he's definitely proved to be healthier. And you're right, he has put up better numbers. So maybe we are a little weaker there, but I still think that paired with Flowers, this will be good for the rotation. And I think he's going to hit more home runs than people think he's going to. If his meniscus is actually healthy and he can produce a 20, you know, even just a 2017 Brian McCann, we might be getting a little more than we think we are. I think a lot of people are caught up in the nostalgia, but I really think if he can stay healthy, there's a chance that, you know, I'm not expecting, obviously, heyday McCann, 2010 McCann or anything like that. Um, or 20, 2005 McCann, but I, I think he's going to be a little better than people are giving him credit I mean, he for. Could, he could give you 15 home runs, no yeah. doubt, especially, especially at SunTrust Park. Yeah. Especially uh, SunTrust. With a short porch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you love McCann. I love McCann. There's still a chance to be a McCann can. Yeah. Potentially. Bring him back. Bring him back. Yeah. Have those guys trademarked that? I don't, I don't, I don't know. So. I'll go up and join them. I don't know. Just no, talk I think, to them. I think we should... Uh, <laughs> Just show up with a can and stand next to them. That... McCann's can it is better than our idea, which was Nukes Arch Dukes. Yeah, I still like that <coughs> for Sean Nukem, which we still haven't which followed we, through, still, which we never did. Still we, we still an could. Hey, is it, it's still a possibility. I think there's something there. There's a lot of uh, World War One is very hip right now. Yeah, yeah. people are very into it. Right, so yeah. we kind of need to jump on that one. Especially if he has a great season, right? There would just be more to to add to that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I like this. I, I think you're right, Graham. I could certainly see him having a bounce back year. Um, I think he had other offers, but he just really wanted to come to Atlanta and took less money to come here. Yeah, apparently there was. There I mean, he made $85 million over the last four years. So yeah, it's, it's not, not like. Real estate's yeah. on the Yankees and the Astros. Like, yeah, right. He was making banks. So. It's not like he's been hurting for money. Nah, right. Now. Not at all. But shrewd move by Anthopolis that gives us more uh, flexibility to do some more things. Which brings us to the signing of Josh Donaldson former AL MVP, um, who has unfortunately also suffered a lot of uh, injuries over the last couple of years. Signed him to a big one-year $23 million deal. What? Yeah, $23 million for one year. For one year. Yep. And even though he really struggled in Toronto, he was traded at the trade deadline to the Indians, where he um, put up a, res- you know, got healthy, put up a respectable slash line of, I think, 280, 400, 520 or something like that. And produced for them pretty well. He didn't have a good postseason, but uh, I think this is one of those moves where it shows that Anthopolis is really going for it. There's no kind of like, oh, we're just bringing this guy in because he's a stopgap. As much as we love McCann, he's a stopgap along with Tyler Flowers, waiting for uh, that kid in the minors, Contreras, to mature. This, even though you could argue that this is a stopgap, this also gives you a much better chance to actually try and compete for a championship, bringing a guy like this in with his pedigree. Yeah, this is kind of the best of both worlds for uh, those people out there that are still a little scared to get rid of prospects. We we just added a like potentially lethal right-handed bat behind Freddie Freeman mm-hmm. for just money, just money. 
None of those prospects are gone, along with bringing in McCann. Um, I mean, Anthopolis has just done a great job of going for it, but still keeping our uh, trade pieces or future pieces around. Yeah, and that's the great thing, too, is like, also, this doesn't really bottleneck anybody, even though one could argue that maybe Austin Riley, the, the good third baseman prospect that we have in the in the minors, is is ready. Now you don't have to rush him along, and you're also not blocking him, blocking his future because it's only a one-year deal. So... And there are a lot of idiots on Reddit that are already freaking out about Johan Camargo and saying Johan Camargo deserves the job. Do you remember that freaking Dodgers lineup and how deep they were on their bench? Oh, yeah. Like, they had... Everybody. They had... Um, Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor, the dude from the Twins. Matt uh, Kemp. Matt Kemp. Dozier. Dozier. Yeah, the guy from the Twins. Um, just all coming off their yeah. bench. Right. Like, and, so and there's it, no one that was... And like, we, had, we had Culberson, that was it. Yeah. yeah. There was no one that was like... They're not going to do anything anytime they came up. Yeah, the only guy you could maybe hope for something is with Duda, but yeah. that's it. And even then, it's like you have, and Anthopoulos even said it today in the press conference, he was like, you know, he was asked directly what happens to Camargo. He's like, Camargo's still a really huge part of our uh, our team. He's going to be kind of in the a super utility role. He's still going to get a lot of at-bats. He's still going to get a lot of playing time. Um, and he's going to play all over the field. And... This will also, and which I thought was a great point. He's like, look, a lot of people played a lot of games last year because we didn't have, you know, a very deep bench. Now doing this one where we get better, and two, it makes our bench better, and also it gives us more depth if someone goes down. And we know with Donaldson, his, he's had calf issues, knee issues, whatever. You know, if he goes down, you just plug in your guy from last year, and you don't. Hopefully, I mean, you might skip a beat a little bit if he's really kicking ass, mm-hmm. but if. Um, even if he is and he goes down, you put in a guy who you know can perform at a, at a solid level. I still don't think he's done making moves either. No, I think this is just the beginning. I think You um, can't really read into future lineups yet. Yeah, I think our payroll is only at like, I don't know, $80 million right now or something like that. So you got like $45, $50 million, maybe more dollars to work with to try and you know potentially bring in a frontline starter, corner outfielder, uh, relief pitcher. There's been a lot of rumors about us trying to go after Edwin Diaz or Diaz, the uh, Mariners' closer who had 57 saves, which um, would cost pretty up there in the uh, in the prospect prospects, range. right? But you get a guy like that, even though he did kind of flame out a little bit at the end of the season, they they really overworked him when they were contending. And I think he kind of petered out a little bit um, as the season went along. I know because I had him on my fantasy team, but so you're an expert, I'm not an expert. I just obviously followed his stats. But he's only 24. I mean, I'd rather go after a guy like that than try to lock down Craig Kimbrell. You're going to have to give $90 million for yeah, five no. years. He's not – he's still great, but not at the top of his game like he was a couple years ago or when he was with the Braves. So um, so that's a possibility. But the Donaldson signing I like. Even if it backfires, even if it blows up in our faces, the great news is you're only committed to it for a year. Exactly. And those who are bitching about uh, wasting money or whatever – we paid um, Adrian Gonzalez $21 million to not even play for the Braves last year when we made that huge Dodgers deal to get rid of Matt Kemp. So, so what, you're, what you're saying is having someone actually playing and possibly being a big producer is an upgrade over that? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but I, I, I like it. And I know you, Alexa, being a, an Orioles fan, are familiar with Josh Donaldson when he came over, uh, the Blue Jays. I mean, yeah. do you have any, any thoughts? On on the on the uh, the deal. Uh, I really like it. I like him. He's a really good player. Uh, he did a lot of damage when we played him, and 
Yeah, I hate the Blue Jays, so I'm glad he's on the Braves now. Yeah, and I think also it just balances out the lineup really nicely. Yeah. Because now you got. I mean, I hate it to. It does, and he's an upgrade. I mean, Colt. Uh, who's playing Colt? Colt Camargo. Camargo. I can't say the wrong thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an upgrade. It's kind of a no brainer. It's a little bit of money, but if you really think you're going to contend and then you have a stud that's coming up, yeah. why not? Right. You know? um, Camargo yeah. can just be a, a flirty of the team. Right, and he can he'll play all over the field. He'll still get playing time, and he can he can spell guys. And you know, the the good thing, the nice thing is too. Um, who knows what Anthopolis is going to do? You could try and trade Dansby. I don't think he's going to trade Camargo with how he was talking today, but anything could happen with this guy. We Dansby, yeah, potentially. Yeah, Dan. I wouldn't be shocked if Dansby were included in a trade. Some some people are throwing some crazy. Uh, I think this was just. People making things up, but it was like a package to the Mariners for Diaz. Mm-hmm. I guess it's Diaz. I was thinking. I Matt, think Matt, uh, Matt, Matt Diaz. Diaz. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's uh, probably the only person that pronounces Diaz. Yeah. and we're just for Diaz and like uh, Han- Hannigan. Oh, Mitch Han- Hanniger. Hanniger. Yeah, the he's, corner outfit. Right, he's and, got a lot of pop, and including like uh, Ian Anderson and Dansby and. Kyle Freed Wright or something. and Kyle Wright or something like that. All these guys. That could be pretty wild. Um, who knows if we get something like that, but... Um, I think you only trade all those prospects for position players. Though. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because like a, like a stud arm is one elbow tear away from being worthless and you just wasted four of your potential aces on him. Right. At the same time, I still think we need to make a move for a premium starter who's ready to rock. I mean, we were talking about this a few weeks ago, the Corey Kluber argument. You know what you're getting from Corey Kluber. You have no idea if a um, Kyle Ryer, Ian Anderson, or any of those guys will reach the heights. You know where Kluber is now. You want to win now. Those guys are still a couple years away, and the, the Wrights and Andersons of the world. I would still be in favor of, of making a move for, for Kluber, especially because it's been very durable over the course of his career. I understand the argument, though. You could, I think you could go either way on it. I mean, maybe if you could... Throw an Austin Riley in there, and I don't want to trade Riley. I think that's one guy I really have no interest in in getting rid of um, for almost any price. Any price, almost. I don't think he's that. He's not an Acuna prospect. I mean, he's tearing up the damn minor leagues last year, and and we haven't had a great third baseman, reliable third baseman since number ten. And I would really like to solidify that position and have someone there who's going to be there for the long haul who can. Wait, 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 wait. What? Are you forgetting about the great Juan Francisco, Graham? Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm forgetting about the great Juan Francisco. Chris Johnson. Ooh, Chris Johnson with his lucky season he had. Yeah. Won a batting title. He didn't win the batting title. He won the batting title. No, he finished fourth. You fact-check that shit all you want. He did not win the batting title. I will fact-check it. I'll stake my life on it. That he finished fourth? Not that he finished fourth, but that he didn't win. Was that 2013? Yes. Is his name Chris Johnson? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, his name's Chris. You're thinking of, uh, what was the first thing that came up, the running back? Michael Kadair won. Just like I should. Johnson was two. Okay, whatever. It's pretty close. It was close. Yeah, Freddie finished third. Well. Anyways, what were we saying? I'm just saying we haven't had a good third baseman. Or not a good third baseman. We haven't had, like... Someone that sticks around there that you can, not saying you're definitely you're going to try and totally build around your third baseman. Here you have Freddie Freeman, but you know someone that we can 
depend on year in and year out at third base. I mean, we've had a rotating door. We've had Chris Johnson, Juan Francisco, right. your, your boy Adonis Garcia, mm. um, and now Camargo, who I really like. Don't get me wrong, but I think he can be utilized in different ways. I think Wenthopolis' strategy with him is great. I think that will keep players fresher heading down the stretch, um, especially going into the postseason. When we saw Marquecas flame out in the postseason, Camargo himself didn't get a hit in the postseason. Um, having guys who are fresher going into those scenarios will pay dividends, I think. Okay. Just go after Manny. He'll be fine. I'm not, I don't, mm. Do you not want him anymore? Not at this point. Um, because of how he played or because of something else? How he played and sort of showed his ass. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that could be a disruption in the locker room. I mean, you look at the stats, I mean, he's fantastic uh, offensively, don't get me wrong. But it's just kind of like him, like, tripping guys and doing all that weird shit he was doing, sliding into people the way he was. You know, what he did was just was very intentional. It was very intentional and, and was showed a real lack of, of character on his part. You don't want somebody like that who's going to disrupt the locker room. The Braves have always had... not saying you don't want to have a guy who kicks ass. And, you know, if he was an asshole and just played like an asshole, that's one thing. But he's just playing like a... So if he was like a Batista instead of like... Yeah, if he was just really fiery and flipped his bat around, fine. But, I mean, if you're going around and, like, kicking people while you're running to yeah, first base yeah, and trying yeah. to injure them, well, I don't Mc- want that kind Brian of Brian McCann would lay into his ass now. Brian McCann, sure. yeah. So, no. I mean, if you had someone to kind of fix his attitude, that might be, uh, you know. Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, I think at this point there's no reason to go after Machado because, one, I don't want him at shortstop, and two, you just got your third baseman, Donaldson. So, I, yeah. I think we removed ourselves from that any chance of from winning that, that sweepstakes. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to Philly. That's, that would suck. Well, him and Bryce might go to Philly. That would really suck if they both go that to Philly. Would, Although I would, I'd also, I'd almost love it because I just. When's the last time guys have signed two big free agents and it worked out great for them and they win a championship? It doesn't happen. No, but I mean, I've, well, not in baseball, I guess. Remember that Marlins team they put together like four or five years ago? You had Ozzie Guillen managing, and you had all these high-priced guys coming in. You had Stanton. You had. Um, Jose Reyes, he had all these other guys, and they just they were good for like a month, and they just yeah. sucked ass the rest of the year. Yeah. I'm not saying that's going to happen if they do that, but it kind of makes me think of but that what, scenario. I mean, what the Braves are doing is how winning teams are being formed now. Mm-hmm. Like the Astros and the Cubs did the exact same way with the losing, but then having your um, your young guys get up at the same time and then spend some money on some uh, free agents like Donaldson. And, yeah, and just sort of mix them in with the, the core. Yeah. Got one more uh, free agency question for you, Graham. All right. With adding that big bat now, mm. uh, and obviously we're not going to get Bryce Harper, unfortunately. Yeah, fine with it. How would you feel about bringing Marcakis back on a team-friendly deal at this point? Yeah, team-friendly. Not to be our cleanup hitter, for Christ's sake. Right. To bat like sixth or seventh. If it was a team-friendly deal for one year, I'm fine with it. Okay. We really can't find anyone else, but I would... I would really like to try to make a trade for a, a good right fielder, David Peralta, for example. Slot him in uh, from the Diamondbacks. He's he's a solid player. I know are, he has, he's they, much better home splits than road splits. Are the Diamondbacks trying to trade him? Yes, they're trying to. They're sort of going into fire sale mode, like the Mariners Ooh, are. You think they'd want to deal with us again? Well, it's a different GM, so maybe. Um, yeah, it's one guy I like to like to target. I, I've heard that the Braves have actually talked to them. They haven't inquired, or it hasn't been released that they've inquired about anyone specifically, but I would imagine that Peralta was at the top of their list. Um, that is a guy I like to get. He's got a good power, solid defense. Um, I think would be an up, upgrade over, over Marcakis. 
So I would like to at least, and you know, before we uh, you know commit another year to Marquecas, say let's let's look around and see if we can make some moves to try and get a, a better, more powerful corner outfielder. So we shouldn't just get satisfied with one good signing. Then. No, we should be demanding more. We should like this move tells me that Anthopolis is on the hunt. He's like a shark. He's trying to help us win now. The goal is to win now. There's no more bullshit. The goal is to win now. That's 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 the message I got today from the from the press conference and from this move specifically. The McCann deal, yeah, it's still kind of a, a stopgap thing, but it could still help. But it's like, eh. Donaldson shows shows me that if he didn't think we were going to contend this year, if this move would not have been made, you're not going to commit twenty three million dollars to a guy who's definitely going to be gone next year. Yeah. If if you didn't think we were ready to contend, so I I think this is just the beginning. Yeah, I mean, we won the frickin' NL East last yeah. year. Of course we're trying to contend. Yeah, and you got to think that the, the shoe is going to drop, that the, the other shoe is going to drop, that the Phillies are going to make some big signings. They might get Patrick Corbin, Manny Machado, and Bryce Harper, or two of those guys, or just one, but they're going to make some moves. The Nationals will probably make some moves. I think they're going to be weaker than they were last year, but they'll still be around. The Mets, God knows, they could make they, a move for Bryce Harper. Who the hell knows? Yeah. Um, he would be a fool to go there. He, they would. I, I read an article today with some guy saying, the Mets need to just do it and sign Bryce Harper, change the culture, and all that stuff. And that's, that's probably a pipe That dream. is their culture, just spending money on free agents and then sucking. Yeah. So I'd be, I'd be fine if he wanted to go. That's what they did with yeah. Mo Vaughn back in 2002. Oh, Mo Vaughn. He's great with the Angels. Cliff Floyd. But, yeah, I think now's the time. And, and we're seeing that Anthopolis thinks that as well. And here we go. This hot stove is officially on fire, and I like it. You had one more thing to say. I was just going to say that I, going back to what I was saying earlier about pitchers, hmm. uh, I do think it would be not necessarily something that they need to get, but the Braves definitely need to look at that because I think it was something that kind of haunted them in the postseason hmm. and towards the end of the year and just seeing what happens when you don't go after pitching, not necessarily like an all-star or like an ace arm. And I think the Braves do have good pitching, and I think like Newcomb could definitely have a great year this year, and they have arms. But just seeing what happened at the bullpen last year. Yeah, bullpen especially. And things like that, you need guys to go deep. And seeing uh, the Orioles fail to acknowledge how important pitching is, even when we were doing our run, we got uh, that guy from the Red Sox. What was that reliever's name? I can't remember his name. Um, oh, uh, Miller. Yeah. Andrew Miller. And they yep. got Miller. It, it just wasn't enough because we didn't have other pitchers that could handle what was going on. And it is extremely important. And it's very tempting to be awed by big bats, but it's just not to go all in on that, which I don't think the Braves are going to do. But yeah. it is. I think the good news from the Braves' standpoint with pitching is that all of those pitchers that were there last year from the starting rotation side, at least, will hopefully be improved. Yeah, with I your agree two with Q2 signs, your Fulte, your Newcomb. Um, on the reliever side, yeah, I would, and uh, even in the rotation, I'm still like, I still want a frontline starter, but but I totally agree, hundred percent on the bullpen. Um, that bullpen was rough. Um, a lot of them had good years, but they just sort of wore down. I don't know what's sort of brewing in the minor leagues. If there's other people they're looking at bringing up next year, or if, we can't just run out the same guys. Yeah, the bullpen we, definitely has to be addressed. We definitely need to, you know, make some moves for some frontline uh, guys that you can really ride in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. 
And that's not to say some of the guys from this year can't do that next year. I think um, I like what I saw from Chad Sabatka. It was limited, but I liked it. Um, Viz, hopefully, you know, he can do something. Um, you know, there are some there are some guys in the pen. Um, Mentor, even though I know he struggled down the stretch last year, he's still young. He's still got some great stuff. Just needs to work on his control. So I think there's still some growing for that, that bullpen to do. Um, but I do agree that we need to bring in some – we need to get some some help there for sure as well. you have any retort? No. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Graham. Wow. And the Hawks are actually up 68-52 to 52 at halftime. Unbelievable. Jerome Noshi was his own. Well, they, they ended that 10-game losing streak, so <clears throat> yeah, feeling some confidence now. Ah. Uh, yeah, so we'd like to talk about United or the Falcons or... United, United. So Atlanta United won 3-0 on Sunday night against the New York Red Bulls. Or just, they're called New York Red Bulls. Sorry, not the... Um, I'm sure you offended a lot of people with that V gram. So yeah, people. so many people care. NY Red Bulls. <clears throat> NY Red Bulls, whatever. It's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> I didn't see any of the game, but I listened to it. I listened to pretty much the whole thing. It was actually pretty refreshing to hear the uh, audio call. Oh, yeah. I think Mike Conti does a great job. He gets into it, man. He's so into it. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. It really paints a vivid picture as to what's going on. He does. They thoroughly dominated the competition. Uh, three goals from three different players including Joseph Martinez. And the third goal does something in terms of the rules for the the, the playoffs here. It gives us yes. a huge advantage going into the next game. And apparently, from what I saw, and people correct me if I'm wrong here, but we would have to lose 4 to nothing, Or 5-1. to one. Or 5-1 to one to lose yes. the series overall. And the chances of that happening are very slim. We have like a 99 or 98% chance of winning or something like no. that. And it's not to say you count your chickens, but because of the MLS's playoff format, so fucked. I'm, it actually allows us, gives us a huge advantage heading into the game on Thursday night. I'm telling you, people must truly think this isn't an Atlanta professional sports team. With the talk about championships I've seen already. Oh, yeah. Are you ridiculous. crazy? Yeah. You're not even in the game yet. Right. I understand this whole 4 nothing thing. Or right. Could be 5 nothing or 6 nothing. Yeah. We could do it. We could blow it. Sure. Absolutely. It's it's just the way the city is. But it was a very untrue to Atlanta performance on Sunday night. Like they, they just came in there and, and dominated. And they got a lucky, uh, not a lucky break, but they got a good break on a, a, a goal that the Red Bulls scored to make it one-to-one. They did a, a replay and determined that the, the guy who scored the goal was offside, so yeah. it was negated, which never happens to Atlanta in a, in a, in a, profession, in a, in a playoff game. Or any game in general. That, like, that never happens. And I know United had been screwed a little bit over the course of the year with these VAR replays. So that was refreshing to see. So, But overall, it was just so untrue to Atlanta. You felt confident listening to the game as I did that they were just going to close the door and they and they thoroughly dominated the, the Red Bulls. So now it sets up for a, a final, hopefully, it's awesome. hopefully a final game on uh, Thursday. So, it is the final game, right? Yeah. Regardless. Well, it's the final game regardless. Yeah. Of the conference mm-hmm. for the championship. So is the championship just one game then? I don't know. Nobody I don't knows. think so. There's no way. It's got to be a series. I don't know, man. I don't think it's one game. But we'll while Adam figures that out, yeah, I'm really excited. Mm. They're going to be in the championship. Oh, Jesus. It's going to happen. There's no way. that They came out in the game on Sunday 
never like I've seen them come out before. Last year in the playoffs, they looked flat. They looked nervous at home. They looked flat, nervous, scared, unsure of themselves. This game, all confidence. Just boistering. The environment was great. And the Red Bulls are the best team in the conference. And we destroyed them. And we'd never beat them. We played them four times. We've never won. They've always, always had our number, like, by a lot. Like, not really close games with them. or just really hard games. We haven't been able to figure them out. And the fact that they came out timid and nervous was really interesting. And then when it went into eight minutes plus, which is unheard of, eight oh, minutes yeah. extra time at the end mm-hmm. of the game, and the Alba was able to score a goal, and it played against them because it would have been 2 nothing. It would have been a much... It still would have been Atlanta with the advantage, obviously, but it would have been a more difficult game going into the Red Bulls' home on Thursday than it is now because of that extra goal. Right. There's, there's literally zero margin for error for the Red Bulls. If they give up one goal... They're done. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean... And I know they're they're pretty um, supposedly exceptional on offense. They so are. They're, but it, they're going to really, I'm sure they're going to be in total suicide mode on Thursday. That's not their style, though, so it's going to be really difficult for them. To come out in the very first minute attacking is not what the Red Bulls do. Hmm. So that's going to be a very different game plan for them, and we'll see how it goes. But that is going to be what they have to do, is just be on like an all-out offensive mission yep. in order to get as many goals as possible. So... Atlanta's just got to defend, which... Which can be difficult for this team. Yeah. Um, they've been better, though. They've been better recently. And Gazam made some great saves towards the end of the game on Sunday, too. So, I mean, I think he's on it. I think everyone's stoked about it. And it's just... It's a really good probability that we're going to be in the championship game, mm. I'll say. I've got some research for you guys. Oh, well. This is coming from the website MLSsoccer.com. Oh. So I think it's legit. I think that's their main site. Uh, after more than a month of winnowing the 12-team field, two will remain. You say widowing? Winnowing. Winnowing. What the fuck word is that? Whittling? Whittling? Oh, winnowing. winnowing. I've never heard of winnowing. Jesus. All right. It's time to determine a champion on Saturday, December 8th, on Fox, Unimas, <laughs> TSN, and Tivas. MLS Cup's format. A winner-take-all match hosted by the team with the most regular season points. That's so weird. Should be familiar by now. Like the knockout round, away goals do not count. Like the knockout round, extra time, and if necessary, penalty kicks will break any tie in regulation. And once the winner's decided, there's only one thing left to do. Celebrate. A trophy will be lifted, medals distributed, champagne bottles popped, and for good measure, a... What's what's that? <laughs> a CONCACAF Champions League birth award to the winner. What the fuck is oh, that? Oh, that's interesting. You get into a championship uh, or a league game. Uh, oh, then you play a... Uh... Champions League. Oh, yeah, oh, you play, yeah, you play in the Champions League if you oh. if you win the MLS Cup. So, once again, it proves that MLS is like the double A of soccer. It's fun. <laughs> Stop knocking on American soccer. It's fun. It's fun. Look, the MLS has had more fans in the in the last few years than ever before. Soccer is coming on strong. I'm telling you. Oh, I'm not saying it isn't. I'm yeah. just saying still in the standing of the world. Yeah, but it'll only get better yeah. as they see more people going, and they're like, "Wow, America's really into this." And then mm-hmm. better players will want to come here. Mm-hmm. 
And then, I mean, there's already some really good players here, especially the Venezuelan players are, as you see on United, they're quite good. Um, but, yeah. Well, that's we'll good. See. To, we'll see. That's good happens. to know, though. It's uh, December 8th championship, which would be in Atlanta. And we won more games than yeah. We have more Kansas. points. We have more points within Sporting we, Kansas City and the Portland. We, we Timbers. would be hosting. I would go to a damn championship. Game. Oh yeah, sure, heck yeah. yeah, definitely. Adam goes to the first game and the last game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a good uh, good way to do it. Yeah, I think. I'm not wasting time, right? Uh, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we'll, no, we'll, we'll watch the game on Thursday. Well, for sure. I uh, so let me ask you this, and you were saying earlier, Adam, how you were talking about. Atlanta this, Atlanta that, Atlanta that. You know, we could Atlanta this, this situation. Wait, I, I, what was I talking about? You were talking about how, <laughs> how uh, you know, people were talking already about having a damn, going to the damn championship, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this, and someone brought this up earlier, uh, and I can't remember who it was, but they were saying, you know, what is, what is uh, what Joseph Martinez or Tata strategizes, what does that have to do with the, with the Braves blowing, uh, you know, g- game four of the '96 World Series, that's or all the, this, all this—that's the dumbest all, question you know, ever. The, the Super Bowl, et cetera, et cetera. What What did the curse of the great Bambino have to do with uh, Bill Buckner? Nothing, nothing. But it's kind of like it did. no real curse. No, realistically, it did nothing. If there was a curse, they never would have won again. The Red Sox. Yeah, they broke the curse. Yeah. You yeah, can, but but how does curses. one break the curse? Oh, they, they had a bunch of like nuns praying for him and stuff. Yeah, yeah it's, it's ridiculous. Oh, eventually, the right nun prayed. And, right, okay. exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, all right, so we just need nuns to wash away this Atlanta curse. Yes. Maybe. Uh, it all. It all. I, I I agree with the realistic sentiment that nothing that any of the other teams do has an effect on the other teams. However, it is hard to ignore history of how consistently. Atlanta teams have have blown things when they've had opportunities to win it all. Fifty plus years of existence, we have one championship, and we should have at least five or six or something. And you have to think. Right, well, you're forgetting our lacrosse championship last year. Yeah, it's hard to count that. It is a professional sports championship, I guess. All right, so if you want to count that, it's well, this, two. This leads us back to our. That's two, and United won count in that count. Well. I think we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Okay. If we get there. But um, that's two championships in 50-plus years. So it's like you've got to think that there's, like, even though I'm always the one who's not superstitious, part of me does b- sort of believe in the Atlanta curse to a degree. Mm. And everyone's acting like this um, this run that United's going on and and how, you know, good they've been in the playoffs, which they have been, especially compared to last year. That's a great point. But it's like everybody forgot that, you know, the Falcons looked absolutely unstoppable when they went to the Super Bowl right. a couple years ago. And they they put up a Yeah, very... we don't have Dan Quinn calling the plays for the United. All right, we've got Tata, who's like an amazing coach. Dude. Yeah, also a coach that's on his way out, just like Kyle Shanahan was on his way out. Yeah, I think it's diff- that's what Tata does. He yeah. kind of comes in and is like, here's your team, and then kind of flutters away. Right, and then goes build a new new team. Yeah. That's does, what he, does he generally win championships in his last year with his old team? Mm, not sure about that, but... Something to look at. I think, though, if, Adam, that stigma you were talking about a few weeks ago, I think when we had Joseph on the show, where you were talking about, oh, you know, I'm, I'm nervous that Tata is uh, you know, leaving, and what does that do to the team? I think they're really determined to send him out as a champ. Like, if there was that segment you were talking about, they would not be playing this well. Maybe. 
So, I mean, it's it's looking good. I'm still wary of the Atlanta sports curse to a degree, even though well, I should keep be. in mind. Yeah, I mean, I know bullshit, but yeah, they're most likely going on to the championship, but they still have to play the championship. Of course, absolutely. So that's not going to be. I'm not saying they have the championship in the bag or anything. Yeah, but, I just but, think they're going to go. But going is almost a certainty. It would take an absolute Atlanta, true to Atlanta catastrophe for it not to happen. Absolutely. But at least, you know, if it does, we're emotionally prepared for it. I was going to say, by this point, you should be pretty uh, yeah. hard-skinned against all that. Especially yeah. if you're not. <laughs> uh, you know, you guys haven't been fans as long. Atlanta hasn't been around long enough to, to break your hearts as hard as... Falcons or the Braves. Uh, United. Yeah. Graham and yeah. actually had a big pick me up, so we did a interview that probably won't air. Yeah, we'll see. I doubt it. We'll see. It. What basically came out of it was, um, the cliff notes is that this guy we interviewed is a Cincinnati Bengals fan, and all that he wants is a playoff win. One playoff win. That's all he wants. Because the Bengals haven't won a playoff game since 91. I don't remember the last time the Reds won a playoff series. He doesn't care about championships. He just wants one playoff playoff win. win. And we got that, baby. Oh, we've got plenty of those. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're an elite city. Right, compared to Cincinnati. Yep. You're like, damn, Sesame Street. The most popular... Children's show ever. Well, uh, they're like the most successful children's show ever. It's great. Whatever. The point is, is that they're small potatoes, and they have no chance. Whereas we always, at least we, yeah, at least we give ourselves a chance, even though we never come through with it. Indeed, Graham. Speaking of never coming through, let's move on to the Falcons. No, not that team again. Falcons lose thirty-one to seventeen to the Saints. On Thanksgiving night. Also, uh, don't forget about the Dallas loss that we haven't discussed either. We talked about the Dallas in the last episode with Cheryl Pounder. Were you like not there during? Oh, that, that was show? Monday. We did that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> Never mind. Were you not there? <laughs> <laughs> he was there in body, but not in. Uh, not in mind. I not in mind. We recorded that on Monday. Yes. Yeah. So now we're at four and seven, virtually eliminated. From the playoffs, even though we're technically only two games behind, I think the Panthers or whatever cares. At this point, it was probably is the inverse of Atlanta United, the, the most true to Atlanta performance I've seen in recent memory. And the Falcons have had a lot of those this year, where it's like, you know, just beating themselves. It was punctuated by four turnovers, three fumbles and an interception. The three fumbles happened in the red zone. And when you do that against the best offensive team in football, one may argue, you have, you know, at their house, which is a brutal environment, you have no chance of winning. Not only that, but Drew Brees threw four touchdown passes, not to Michael Thomas or Kamara or Ingram. Yeah, a bunch of losers. To four undrafted free agents. I think that's the first time it's ever happened. And it was... It, the game shouldn't have been thirty-one to seventeen. It felt like the whole time I was watching it, even when it was close, I felt like we were losing forty-two to nothing. Like this is just an absolute slaughter. We were outclassed in every single phase of I mean, the football game. This team's just not. We're not winners. Like don't, I don't even blame the injuries anymore. Just anything that we could do to screw up, we do. Yeah. Even like the small things, like with we have the the big fumble by Matt Ryan, and then get the pick. Goes for um, pick six. By Casey. Yeah. Yeah. 
But the pick six is called back, too. Right, because he's ruled down by contact. Yeah, it's just like all these things. It's just like there's a small difference between a four and seven team and a seven and four team. And I mean, we've done everything we can to screw it up. Yeah, it was like every time we had a chance to get into the end zone, there was some devastating turnover. The Ridley one especially hurt because that was really your last chance to try and get back into the football game. And it was like at the two yard line, and Lattimore knocks it out. It was like son of a bitch. I mean, when that last touch, we scored that last touchdown. I was like, who cares? Like, if this is what we're going to be doing, just don't even show up. Um, I mean, he scored that what, like three like and a half minutes left, or something. Four minutes, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, something like that. It was in the fourth quarter, so it's late. Like, yeah, at that point, um, you're not coming back. No, no pass rush on Drew Brees. He had all the time in the world. I think we sacked him once. I think McLean got a sack. It was, it was just an overall depressing game, and it was a perfect microcosm for the Falcons' season. It's like you see moments where you're like, God damn, what a play. Like that, that play action pass to Sanu that got us into the red zone, I think, on our first drive. It was beautiful. And then right when we're in, right when we're in the red right when we're in the, like the two, three yard line, it's like there comes a fumble. Here comes something that's gonna screw us up. Even the the the, the drive that we actually scored our first points on a field goal, Matt still fumbled the ball again. It was like, I don't know what the hell was going on that night. And once again, you know, Matt had no time to throw. The offensive line was awful. And I just want to know what the hell happened after that Redskins game. We looked like such a different team in that game. And three weeks later, it seems like we just get worse and worse and worse. And it's not like anybody's gotten hurt again or anything like that. It's not like we've had any more injuries since then. I don't care if you don't have Deion Jones anymore. Like, that, you don't deserve to be on the field as a defense just if you're doing that. tackles, terrible angles, the same thing we've been talking about all the yeah, damn year. It's just incredible. I think the most depressing part of the night was the beginning. You know how Sunday Night Football does that introduction where you say, uh, you know, your name and college you come from. Vic Beasley comes up there. He's like Vic Beasley, Clemson. And they've added this thing at the bottom of the screen where it says your pro football focus ranking at your position. Mm-hmm. For him, it was Vic Beasley, DE44, pro football focus ranking of, in his position, 106 of 106. What? He's literally on, according to their ratings, the worst defensive end in football. And I was like, that is everything I need to know right there. Even Tack was like 95 out of 106. Like, he's he's disappeared. He's absolutely disappeared since earlier in the season. I don't remember the last time he got a sack. This this whole defensive line, minus Grady Jarrett, seemingly trash. And and Vic is especially trash. And I don't know. He can't be gone soon enough. I hope he's benched. I hope he's benched for the rest of the season. He's awful. Do we even have any young guys to plug in? Probably not. I mean, what really surprised me was Deidre not being announced as an inactive right before the game. Yeah, that's surprising. Apparently, Dan Quinn walked up to him and said, and told him, and said, we need to just put guys out there that can rush the quarterback. And I said to myself when I read that, I said, you know, why don't you tell that to 44? Vic Beasley. What the hell has he done? I know he got two sacks in the last week, but he's just been pathetic the whole freaking season. Yeah. Um, so that's depressing. You're, you, Thank you, God the Braves made the that signing. Yeah, right. It would be dark times. Um, it was a sad game. I figured we were going to lose, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised that we lost like that because that is the most true Atlanta way to possibly lose. You get so close in all these drives and you just shoot yourself in the foot repeatedly until you don't have a foot left. Really ruined our festive mood at Thanksgiving, I'll tell you that much. Mm. Everybody was happy, nice and warm and cozy. 
Yeah, it was like there was potential to do fun, fun family stuff, but then the Falcons come on, and it's just like sit down and be mad instead. And then people kind of just left. Mm. Ooh. Edward and I placed a lot of $1 bets on random bullshit. Nice, I would have totally gotten on that. <laughs> you hate prop bets. But for $1, it's like whatever. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah, you wouldn't do it last time. So. No, I was too upset. I think at this, it's because that Cowboys game was close, and I didn't want to do it then. Um, but I knew this, I knew we were going to lose this game, but it's just like, what do you say now at this point? I mean, what a, what a ex- pathetic excuse of a team. You're still pretty upset. I was upset. Um. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just no. You were pretty upset. I don't think I was, of. yeah, I wasn't like Super Bowl mad, but I was, I was pretty upset. You're getting pretty into it. Yeah. It's still hard to resign myself. I love the Falcons so much. It's just like, I'm, I'm still it's hanging on. Yeah, I'm still going to be excited to watch these stupid rest of the games, probably. Yeah. Course, as long as we have a little hope. Yeah. Well, let's transition. We have. Let's transition to this week's uh, game against the Ravens. Um, heading into it, tell us a little bit about the Ravens, where they're at, the standings, how they're doing. Uh, for those of uh, those users out there who might not know. Uh, so the Ravens are coming in at six and five, uh, and that's after winning two games straight to stop a three-game losing streak under Joe Flacco, who has been sidelined by a hip injury that um i was just about an hour ago it was announced that he has not been cleared to practice so it looks like lamar is going to be starting against the falcons lamar jackson yeah lamar jackson first road game uh the ravens look revitalized they look under pretty bad yeah under lamar they look pretty revitalized um it's just like i think getting the running game in before lamar and gus the bus edwards who has had two 100 Plus consecutive games, he had 118 games last, 118 yards last week, and he's undrafted, kicking ass. He's just perfect. Another crazy. undrafted free agent to, yep. to destroy us. Yep. And uh, uh, Lamar had 71 yards rushing, mm. so he's just the fact. I think just the things he can do really make him a threat, and it helps to open up the running game as well because you have to, you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Right. Joe, it was pretty much you knew it was going to happen. He's your typical drop-back quarterback. You could protect against the run a little better. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, this kid just came out of nowhere. So it's been it's been great. Kid and Gus Edwards. Yeah, and yeah. Gus Edwards. And so who the hell is Gus Edwards? Because I've noticed his name popping up on the bottom line every time I'm watching football on Sunday. I'm like, Gus Edwards, 20 rushes for 130 yeah. yards or whatever. I'm like, who the hell is this kid? He's undrafted free agent? He's undrafted free, yeah, undrafted free agent, uh, rookie. Mm. I don't know where he came from. I don't know when we signed him, but... He just showed up. Yeah, I mean, and he's been great. It's pretty impressive. So, yeah. are the fears about Lamar Jackson's passing ability real? Or you think he's a work in progress? Or what are your thoughts on that? I think he's a work in progress. I think he has to be careful. I think RG three should go talk to him and be like, "Look, don't be me. I got hit and see what happened to me." Well, um, he was doing he was doing a lot more in this game to protect himself. He was throwing more, and he still has more interceptions than he has touchdowns, which is a little. Makes me a little wary. He, mm-hmm. he threw two interceptions last week and only one touchdown. Then of course he ran in one, and then there was a rushing one. I mean, he, there were a couple, but uh, you know, he's. I think he's just going to be a guy that uses his feet, and he wants to pass. Like I think people, especially just from a Baltimore fan perspective and other people from Baltimore, uh, you get a lot of people that will criticize him for his running, and he does it because he has to. Our offensive line isn't good. Like they played a good game last week, which is why he could throw more. The game against Cincinnati, mm-hmm. which Cincinnati knows how to play us because of Marvin Lewis, but 
their offense line sucked, and they've sucked all year. So, I mean, I don't want to – everything's not on Joe. Like, we haven't had a good protection right. for the quarterback. He should have plenty of time to pass on Sunday, I would imagine. <laughs> no issues there. Yeah. I think we're 29th in the league in sacks with, like, 19 or something like that. It's yeah. just awful. Three-man rush all day. Our yeah. defense is coming on, too. But our, our running game went from 24th in the league to 11th in the league with Gus Edwards being on the team. It's been, it's been insane. And the defense has actually played on people and – Jimmy Smith has been doing all right. I'm still not a huge fan of him. He's their cornerback, correct? Yeah, he's their cornerback. Um, um, yeah, it seems like the Ravens have been up and down. They seem like they start out the year pretty well. Uh, lots of new receivers. you got Willie Sneed, our old friend from the Saints. John Brown, old receiver from the Cardinals. Michael Crabtree from Oakland. Uh, revitalized the receiving core. Defense looked good. And then you went through that stretch, that bad stretch where you lost a lot of games. Now it seems like you're back on the upswing as the, as the season's starting to wind down. So... Yes. A lot of momentum for the Ravens coming yes. into Sunday's game, it would appear. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, the beginning of the season looked great. We blew up the Bills 40-10. to 10. It was like, wow, maybe this isn't going to be the season, I thought. And then mm-hmm. just started losing. I'm like, yeah. wow, this is the season, I thought. Which is good for me, because now my expectations are, like, really low. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But they're, they're getting a little higher each game. But I'm trying not to get too high. Sure. Uh, what's one thing about the Falcons that... that Scares you as a Ravens fan. You guys get turnovers. So, I mean, interceptions by Lamar could be interesting. We don't get turnovers. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Casey gets like an interception Casey, every Casey's week. Casey's the only one. Yeah. That's still a turnover. <laughs> each game, I mean, a turnover could be a turnover. Or not each game, but it has almost, what, he's gotten, it leads the league in interceptions. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll accept that answer. I'll now. accept that answer now. All right. So Demonte Casey scares. I mean, your defense doesn't scare me. Right. Does Matt Ryan, the receiving court. Julio does for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. he could he could definitely burn our defense. We don't have the best secondary, so definitely. Yeah. I mean, Julio definitely scares me. Matt Ryan is really really good. He's not going to be like sitting there like Derek Carr was waiting to get sacked. So right, I think that's going to be a little more. He's difficult. a little more mobile in the pocket. Yeah, and the Falcons always play us really tough. Like even years that we were really good, we would lose to the Falcons. And I'd be like, what's going on? Yeah, I think the last actually, I think I went to the last Ravens Falcons game in the regular season where Roddy White got away with a push off, and we won on that last second touchdown, mm-hmm. which is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, what year was that? It's like 2010, I think. You yeah. act like that's common knowledge. <laughs> I remember it. That's where I got my Falcons flag. Okay. Yeah. I was in class when that was happening, I think. Yeah, you're watching and it, John right? Harvey had the game on, and he kept showing me the score, yeah. and we were up, and I was like, we got this, and they showed it to me again, and I was like, dang it! <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, what was I going to say? Adam, you got any Ravens questions? You're, you're so mentally beaten down by this yeah, team. I'm out of it. You're out of it. Um, yeah, I think another thing that is going to really stymie us is, once again, is the running game's not going to do anything against the Ravens' front seven. I think we're going to get absolutely shut down. And it's going to, once again, be on Matt Ryan to try to be freaking Superman to carry uh, an offense that can only pass and a, and a defense that just sucks entirely. Um, That's where you're going to get problems. Yeah. Yeah, so. we had, Judon had three sacks in a row last week. Jesus. One player had three sacks in a row. Yep. That's pretty good. I've never seen that before. Yep. Um, Charles Suggs had a pick six for the first time in his career, so that's what I'm saying. The defense is getting hot now. We hadn't had a turnover in eight games. Before Lamar's interceptions? No. 
Like we, the defense. Sorry, oh. the defense has not gotten a takeaway. Oh, got it. Got it. In eight games until Terrell Suggs got it off of the strip sack Judon had mm-hmm. ran it in for a touchdown. Yeah, so it should. I won't say it's going to be interesting just because we're so, you know, the season <laughs> is uh, is in dire straits at this point, and that's being kind. But I think it could be. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Lamar's first game on the road, and you don't know. I'm sure it'll be a close game. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll be close. I think we'll we'll lose like 23 to 20 on our second and last second Justin Tucker field goal. Yeah. Not Brought on by a strip sack by Terrell Suggs. Uh, that's how I see it playing out. We're due for a a running back fumble. Oh, like on our own? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I don't think Te- I don't I, can't, I don't remember Tevin or uh, Ito fumbling. Ito fumbling. Yeah. And a, a rookie running back, he's got to fumble at some point. Absolutely. So it's, it's time that it's time for that clutch. Yeah, I'm honestly clutch fumble. Yeah, we're we're going in the game, and I'm honestly just going to be sitting there the whole time, just waiting to see what true Atlanta moment is going to happen. I should make like a I should make like a list of all the possible things that can happen and take a, a, a shot every time one of them does. I'm, put, I'm putting my money on that uh, running back You know, fumble. Smith fumble? Okay. Yeah. I, I might want to wager with you on that. Mm. Five bucks? Oh, I'd have to get odds. Two to one. Hell no, more than that. No. I'm what are the odds of Edo Smith fumbling? I don't know. I'd say ten to one. I'm not going to give you a hundred bucks if he fumbles. It's absurd. <laughs> Come on. No. I only get ten bucks out of that. That's absolutely ridiculous. Just do five dollars straight up. Yeah, five dollars, ten to one odds. No, that's just fifty bucks. No, get the hell out of here. That's a month and a half of YouTube TV. You said you're going to get rid of it. <sighs> There's your money. Yeah, it's good. Just spend more money on frivolous things. Yeah, or win five dollars. Right. So I think that's it for the Falcon segment. Do we have anything we want to chime in with on on the Hawks? They ended their ten game losing streak and are currently beating the Heat ninety eight to eighty six. And I really like what I'm seeing from the John Collins, Trey Young combo. Yeah. A lot of it's like Lob City Part Two happening down here. I mean, there was a couple of plays in that Charlotte game where I was like, "Oh my god!" I mean, we're, we're the, the future is is they are developing is is looking real nice with those guys. They they seem to be clicking, which is fantastic. That's so soon after John Collins coming back from injury that they're they're doing so well together. Yeah. Haven't been down old State Farm Arena again. Yeah, since the opening game. I think you're a first game, last game <laughs> yeah. kind of guy, Adam. I guess so. We'll go to the last game of, of, of the Hawks All those season. middle games, you can kind of just get lost in them. Right. You know, there's so many of them. Right. It's not as exciting. Next thing you know, it's the end of the season. Right. Oh, shit, I need to go to a game. Yep. It's the way she goes. Yeah. I think that might have been the first episode. You haven't dropped an F-bomb, Graham. No, I said fuck. You did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He definitely did. Never mind. Yeah, I was like, I was thinking I was talking about the Falcons. I was like, some fucking shit or something like that. Uh, yeah, you know? yeah. Added a lot of value. Is still talking about the Hawks? Yes. You have anything on the Hawks? I like the the new big guy. I can't remember his name. Oh, Alex Lynn? Yeah, Alex Lynn. Yeah, he's been he's been solid. Been a very uh, intimidating Huge. presence. And uh, I like just what he brings physically to the floor. We haven't had a big guy like that that can really just man up on a dude. I like Trey Young a lot, but he's got to stop taking threes from like 50 feet away like he's Steph Curry or something like yeah, I'll do that again tonight. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're like so far from the line. I mean, line. he can like, make those shots. I'm not but saying he can't. It's not. Right? A, it's, it's not. It's not necessary. High, it's not a high percentage. I like. Yeah, I would like him to get a little closer. But also, but it, I like what he's doing. I like. Yeah. I like what he's doing. Otherwise, I think he's. This is the time for him. Good. This is the time for him to figure this shit out. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Like I'm not saying that and being like, oh, he's got to stop it right now. I'm just yeah. saying like, hopefully he grows out of that. Right. 
All right. Well, cool. I think that wraps up today's episode of Atlanta Zone. Alexa, thank you for joining us, as always. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yep. And thank you all for listening to us wherever you are. Hope you had a good holiday uh, during Thanksgiving. Until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitalmanship. Hospitalmanship. Right, which I think takes us to the next signing, which was, I think, a pretty big deal. Uh, Josh Donald- Josh Donaldson. Which brings us to Josh... God damn it. I'm to <laughs> totally fine. Uh, which brings us to Josh Donaldson. Which brings us to... Which brings us to the signing of Josh Donaldson. I said, like, Donaldson. <laughs>